Hello and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week. From the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. So you know we're going to be discussing Trooping the Color on this week's episode. Uh, we have a lot to get into. All the royals showed up, save for Prince Philip, I think. And uh, the surprise scene stealer, or maybe not a surprise, Prince Louis. Uh, we will discuss his sort of fun-filled uh, morning there. Yes, Josh also had an action-packed Sunday evening. He was in the audience at the Tony Awards. He hit a few after-parties the same night as Big Little Lies debuted its second season. So we're going to discuss both topics, Josh's Tony's night and also that first Big Little Lies episode. I feel like that was cruel of the pop culture gods. They even referenced it during the Tonys. And I think James Corden in one of the, the taped bits... He was like, because I think it was just like, I don't know. It's like the Big Little Lies premiere versus the Tonys. It's a pop culture showdown. I know. Meryl's debut is that character. I know. Um, But let's start with one of the big royal events of the year, Trooping the Color. Julie, do you want to set the scene here? Right. I put a little historical yeah, background information. Yeah, I love some history. <laughs> Get a little education in here. We're not all fun and games. We, we tell you what's up. <laughs> Trooping the Color is a tradition that has spanned over 260 years. This year, Wait, that's actually kind of crazy. I am blown away by that historical fact. 260 years. I know. It's the Queen's official birthday parade. This year, the parade comprised over 1,400 parading soldiers, almost 300 horses, and 400 musicians. Too bad Aaron Hill couldn't get, like, an invite. (laughs) The harpist from Megan's four hundred musicians. I know. I wonder if Megan. I wonder if she sent Megan a like. You know when you hear about a job opening, so you reach out to your friend, like, "Hey, Megan, just checking in. Like, saw this opening for Trooping the Color," <laughs> and then like asking Megan to forward it to the Queen. Oh, I wish. Uh, the highlight of the day, as usual, was the fly past at Buckingham Palace, where the Queen's family joined her on the balcony. It is one of the rare occasions when all senior members of the family join Her Majesty for the public appearance. There you go, Josh. (laughs) Um, Wait, I read read somewhere on Saturday that, or I think it was also just obvious, that they don't really prearrange where everyone stands on the balcony. Which is kind of crazy to me because we always discuss this, that we see the photos of like the central 10 Mm -hmm. or so. But if you zoom out or you look on Getty, that balcony is so wide. I know that it's actually, I had the same reaction when I saw the long lens where you really saw the whole landscape. There were so many people up there. I think maybe it was Elizabeth Holmes who was posting about it and was noting that the Cambridges really... It's like sought out a, a sweet spot because I feel like you really got to see the five of them as a family unit. It was much harder to see Harry and Meghan because they were almost, I forget who exactly they were right behind, but you know what I mean? It was, a, they were a little more jammed in there near where Be- you couldn't see Beatrice and Eugenie at all. No. Um, and I, but I was also thinking about if I was in that Trooping the Color balcony, what a fun fantasy to imagine. I don't know. I feel like it would be stress. I would try to hide behind someone too. Well, I would imagine it gets a little heated as people are jockeying for those front positions. Right. There has to be some sort of precedence. Yeah, like yeah that's true, most- actually. It can't be that arbitrary. 
Yes. But Megan made her first official appearance since giving birth to Archie. Archie did not make it out. He was at home with the new nanny. But I love Megan's debut. She rode in a carriage with... This was such a wild quartet. <laughs> I know. I, I'm so excited about getting into this. With Harry Camilla, who was wearing a wild pistachio number. Yeah. <laughs> like, enough about Jessica Mulroney. I would pay money to interview that stylist. Yeah, I want to see, like, Camilla's fittings where she just goes through the different clothes and says yay or nay. I want to know what right. the options are. I feel like it's very haphazard. She's just like, yeah, that'll work. That hat, <laughs> like, sure, sure why that not? choker, yeah. why not? I so feel like she's like, was... surprise me. Like, I, I could see her just saying, you know, like, I'll show up for Trooping the Color and whatever. Just give me something that morning. Right. I can see her be- being very yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone who works for her loves her. Completely. But so Megan, Megan's power carriage was her, Harry, Camilla, and Kate. I am obsessed with this carriage. I, I, if carriages could talk, then that's going to be the memoir I write or the not the fiction story I write about this. That's the title of this episode. If carriages could talk, it is going to be the title. Any of the footage I saw, it didn't really look like any of them were speaking in the carriage, but they must have had, there must have been some of the ride where they were talking, right? Right. If I were a royal, I would be very nervous to say anything. Lip reading problems. Right, for, yeah. during a stationary situation, but they were moving. I wonder how that got... I mean, I I, know, I saw some explainers about what... Because Harry isn't of a rank where he would ride the horse like William and Charles did. So he's in the carriage. He was next to Megan. I wonder if at one point they tried to talk to Kate and Camilla or vice versa, but it was so loud that they, maybe they did a sort of, you know, like, we'll just, you know, and so like maybe Harry and Megan talked and Kate and Camilla talked. Like you talked to the person on your side of the table sort of thing. Do you think right. all four of them ever engaged in discussion? I could not see... Not in that carriage. I, feel. I think not in that carriage. I could see Camilla trying to do an icebreaker, kind of a wild card icebreaker. Like, oh, like there's our favorite photographer for some like pesky paparazzi who they don't like or something, you know, like I could I could see her trying to break the ice. I love that our charisma power rankings for the royals puts Camilla just right there at the top. I could also see her doing some sort of shots before the festivities. (laughs) Yeah, like passing around. (laughs) Yeah. Or um, I guess I could also mm, Harry seems a little bit less rogue wild card these days. I thought I could also see Harry maybe making some sort of lighthearted joke on their way there. Like, right. I don't even know what genre it would be in. Um, it seemed a little like, intense in the photos I saw of the carriage, but I think that could have just had to do with the pomp and circumstance around it and just kind of the whole shindig. Right. It looked very warm outside. Camilla yeah. was wearing leather gloves, as was Megan. Also, Megan's had an interesting sort of costume change going on. Not, oh, I love the Beyonce <laughs> Mariah Carey costume change. It was because basically when I first, because it did seem hot and she was wearing that kind of cloak jacket thing. It was all Givenchy, her fave designer. But then when you see the pictures from the balcony, we see that she took off the overcoat and was wearing, and actually it was a kind of a more interesting pattern because there was like these little white like cap sleeves. Cap sleeves. It was a little more fashion-y than I had thought it was going to be at first, which I was into. Right. I thought it was kind of a subdued look for Megan. Yeah. Right? It's Vanity Fair's royal correspondent, Katie Nichol, reported that Megan was determined to be a trooping to pay her respects to the queen. Right. 
even though she won't be returning to full-time royal work until October. Yeah, I lo- I think that makes sense. I read today that there were, it was like um L I think had a good report about like Megan's state of mind right now, and they were saying we'll probably see her at Wimbledon. We'll probably see yeah you know, the obviously the christening for Archie, which uh, was predicted to happen in July, but that there probably wouldn't be that much else before October. Just like a few things like that here and there, but no official engagements. Oh my gosh, Josh, should we make the trip? To the christening or to Wimbledon or to both? Maybe both. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go to we'll Wimbledon. Figure. I think that seems fun. I wonder if she'll go with Kate again. Right. Remember that when they went together and there was like, I was just, no one could ever focus on any sporting event when you had them just sitting there together side by side watching a match. Right. Um, Let's get into this balcony though. Yeah. It was Prince Louis's first balcony appearance. I feel as if based on just the media coverage after Louis was the definitive star of the Trooping the Color, I would say. I feel like the most stuff is written about him. He's great. I'm really into him. He has a lot of personality. He was waving wildly at one point. He looked very excited to be there, making the most of his debut. He also, Julie wore, which I thought was nice, the outfit Prince Harry wore in uh, an outfit Prince Harry wore in 1986, which do we think that was some sort of sign of things being all good between the Sussexes and the Cambridges? Maybe we're reading into that too much, but it does seem interesting that they chose to give Louis a Harry outfit for this event. And Kate was also wearing the same fascinator she wore to Meghan and Harry's wedding, which I think Elizabeth Holmes pointed out there were two kind of sartorial homages. Yeah, I can. I, I, I feel like the stuff is planned out enough that, that there's some reason for that. And it, it makes sense to me that it to be is to show that everything's all good. Right. If Camilla had been wearing it, I would say, no, that was totally random. But Camilla got it from Rent the Runway. <laughs> but but in this case, yeah, no, I agree. Um, but also, didn't, Lu- didn't Louis just seem like he was having fun? He was living his best life. I love his little wave. Yeah. It's not a traditional wave. It's no, kind of like it was a horizontal. fire. Yeah. It's almost like he's trying to wash something off a whiteboard. <laughs> and he was just waving to everyone. He was waving to Charles. They had like a very cute moment. Yes. Oh, right. It almost looked like at one point he was making like looking at making eye contact with Charles, right? Right. Prince George didn't Did not, look as pumped to no, be there. No, George is over it. I feel like you can get the sense George isn't, I don't know, maybe he's at, what is he, five now? He looked really hot, kind of tired, like he could have used some sunglasses, which I would have loved if some Uh royal had come out in like Ray-Bans. I would have been obsessed with that, like some aviators. Um, (laughs) George needs like a fun little style makeover. I want to see him in a, I feel like we've seen him in the same kind of look every year. I mean. Well, I know. When is he going to get to start picking out his own clothing? I, I am very excited for that. Maybe Camilla can take him shopping. Um... Camilla really was the champion of this episode so far. Um, Charlotte looked like she was in the zone, though. She was doing kind of a, in one of the gifts I saw, like a two-handed wave. One of our listeners pointed that out. She, He said, Charlotte seemed to use both hands in an SOS kind of wave rather than the closed hand royal rotation. And no one seemed to <laughs> intervene. Josh, do you think she was trying to send a message? 
I love that theory. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think that she is into all of this. It seems like she's having fun. I think she likes seeing the people in the audience, in the crowd. And I don't know. I get the sense that she kind of like talks about it in advance and like tells Kate how she's going to wave, you know? Like, right. I, I can see her being kind of like, she takes it all very seriously. Um, I would love to know how Kate and William explain this event in that them. crowd to the kids. Yeah. I know it reminds me of, God, I feel like I do this too often. Uh, something, I, something I saw in a Keeping Up with the Kardashians episode recently where Northwest asks Kim why... Did I ever talk about this? I feel like I've talked about no. this. Oh, Northwest asks Kim why, why she's famous and Kim tries to explain it to her and she has to do it in a way that, you know, a five-year-old will understand, but also it's kind of hard to explain why you're famous. So she says, you know, your dad's a very talented artist named Kanye West, and your mom is Kim Kardashian and has, like, more talents. And she makes some joke about it, like, more talents than I can name here or something. But it is kind of... It was, like, interesting for me to think about that when you're five and you have this understanding that people want to take photos of you and that you're famous, but you don't really understand why... And then, the, right. yeah, like, I feel like I'm so curious too. Like, how do they tell George and Charlotte before they can grasp the understanding of being in the royal family why people care about them so much? There was that moment where Kate visited some sort of nursery school and one of the girls asked why people were taking so many photos. And Kate tried to play it off. She said, Oh, they're taking photos of you yeah, because you're so special. That's nice. Right. I remember that now. So maybe they do. But something I don't know like, if that would like go yeah, to the, the kids' like, heads. If, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I'll feel like also this is the kind of event where there's so much attention on you that they probably have to say something to them. Right. I always wonder too how there's never a big, you know, what if that had been a moment that George decided to throw a huge tantrum? I feel like that happened once at something. I feel like they must instill the fear of God in those For kids these before events. they go out yeah. there. Even just, there was a. There was a moment where I think Louis was about to like put his thumb in his mouth and Kate had like an amazing mom ninja maneuver where she was so fast. It's like she had a sixth sense and just pulled it right to out get of his it mouth. Away. Yeah. It'll be fun to see how Louis, the next Louis appearance is now. I kind of want more Louis out there. They, I want them to do a tour soon where Louis gets to do a lot of stuff. He's a star. Yeah. They have to take him out on something. Josh, who was your MVP? I I was asking myself a lot of questions. There was a kid on there in like a dark suit and he had this sad cast. And it was a cast like I've never seen before. It was like he was some sort of Civil War soldier with this like cloth. Did they have a sling? It was like a sling. It was like fashioned out of silk. It was like a lord. I don't know. Do we figure out? I think I looked it up. Who it's uh, oh, Louis Windsor. Louis Windsor, son of Lord and Lady Nicholas Windsor, which gives me n- no additional information as to who he is. He was just kind of my MVP. God, of- imagine having to do all of that in a cast. That I reminds know. me of how I, I know a bride who recently sprained oh, her no. foot before her wedding and had to have a boot on. Um, which, like, you know, it wasn't too bad. I think, actually, No, actually, I feel sorry. They took it off, I think, for the day of her wedding. Um, but she had lim- somewhat limited mobility, and I felt really bad. Um, 
But yeah, no, the cast kid, I definitely, I kind of felt like I was the, I was feeling his mood though, just like being oh, there. Oh, me in this, too. Being there in this cast, just like what's going on. Who was your favorite? Hmm. Aside from Louis. Yeah, Louis the obvious pick. I need to look at this photo again. Hold on. I really encourage you guys, if you haven't seen the full photo, to take a look because it's wild. It's it's almost like you think they photoshopped in all of these people. The queen's looking great in this kind of um, silvery, jewel-ish look. I'm really into her hat. The queen has great style, I must say. Oh, these kids on the right. There's so many, ki- There's so many more kids there than I always think they're going to be. I like Anne right behind the queen. Did you notice that? Right. And where is Beatrice and Eugenie? They're they behind. Oh, they're behind even Anne. That's my. Um, they're not my MVP though. And this casket is right next to George. I know. And did you notice they separated George from who's yeah his, uh, Savannah so Phillips it, and Zara yes. Phillips's kids? Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to say my MVP is it's either Camilla in this stunning outfit and this amazing right? choker and hat looking incredible or Jor or or Louie or for like my languid mood kid in the cast. Basically everyone you've run through or for the mood of like I don't want to be seen in the office when I'm like not feeling myself like Beatrice and Eugenie like fully <laughs> hiding themselves. I'm kind of feeling that. I feel like they decided that because they could have snuck out near to where Harry and Meghan were. Right. You know, when you go to a party and you don't want to see your like ex or someone that like is awkward to run into, that's like what it reminds you of where they're just like literally crouching behind the queen and almost. <laughs> I know. I love that. Who's your MVP? I think Kid in the cast and Louie and also Kid. Camilla. Yeah. That, that's our trio. That's our, we're sending them on to Hollywood round or whatever they do on American Idol. We need to um, make a, a meme or something out of Kid in the Cast. Yeah, just like there should be more attention into... for him. I know. <laughs> yeah, the tr- so it was a fun trooping the color this year. I think Megan, Megan's, Megan showing up, I feel like got the lion. Louis and Megan shared, I'd say, the most lion's share of the attention. Um, right. It's almost like Megan kind of let Louis have the spotlight. Yeah. And no Archie, I guess. I wasn't expecting Archie, though. Like, Louis didn't go last year around the same age. Right. I was hoping. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. He's so young to be doing that, right? Like one month. Right. Yeah. Let us know. I'm curious what people's reactions are, who, who's other people's favorites were. Right. If you have any theories about the kid in the cast. Yeah. Let us know. All right. Should we get into Tweety Tony's? Yes. So I feel like Tony's haven't usually been a hot topic for us, but this year I went, so we will discuss briefly. There was held at Radio City Music Hall. Julie asks the key first question, which is there a bar, which the answer is yes, but it was a mad dash before the show began. And you know what that's like, Julie, when you go to these award shows and it was just impossible to grapple with. So I decided to not even bother. But yeah, it's a long three-hour show and actually a four-hour show because they seated you at 7 for an 8 p.m. show. And they did... I'd actually never... I've not been to the Emmys, the Grammys, VMAs. I've never seen this. Maybe you have. They do like a full hour of awards before the telecast starts. Oh, I had never seen that before. So all these technical awards, like best costume design, best, um, you know, lighting, 
They even did Best Book of a, I think, a play or, no, no, sorry, Best Book of a Musical. They did some big awards. They did a few of the honorary achievements. And then they, I guess, I didn't know this or I realized it after that they record those speeches and they air little snippets of the speeches during the actual telecast. Oh, But it made it so that you essentially had to be there for four hours instead of three because you were sitting through that first hour. Um, I love that you were a hostage to all those technical acceptance <laughs> speeches. I felt bad, though, because it's like that whole controversy with the Oscars this past year. Because, you know, these people were giving these great speeches a lot of the time. And I was feeling sad that they weren't getting televised. Right. I feel like everyone should get their moment. I don't know. But Radio City is a nice, intimate venue for an awards show, I will say. So there's really not that bad. And the balcony seats aren't amazing. But if you're sitting in the, on the ground level, you kind of you can see pretty well no matter what. James Corden was the host. Very high energy. I would say the highlight for me of the night was during the commercial breaks, he came out to say that, I guess, the last time he hosted the Tonys, he did this. So he wanted to try it again. He was going to do karaoke uh, with like a celebrity participant in the audience. So he, at first, I didn't know if he'd get anyone to do it, but then Ben Platt was a good sport and volunteered, who was sitting right in the front. I didn't know do if you it, think that- it might it might have been prearranged because it almost didn't seem like he had to work that hard to get Ben to agree. Um, and then he kind of had like this song book and asked Ben which song he wanted to sing, and he picked "Tomorrow" from Annie. And then the two of them kind of belted it out together. And almost right as he was getting into it, they had to cut it off for to go back from commercial break. But it was kind of nice to give the you know people there something that no one else on TV was getting to see. Um, and Ben, you know, he's a great singer, so it was fun. But I would say the one that got the most attention. So then he came back and did it again with, um, he was trying to get Darren Chris and Anthony Ramos to do it. And then Anthony Ramos did a song from In the Heights with Chris Jackson, which was like a Hamilton reunion. And people were excited about that. But then the third time he came out, he got Billy Porter from Pose uh. to do a, a song from Gypsy. And Billy just was, first of all, so funny. Like he kept saying, like, I didn't come here to work tonight. And then like would snap into this like super amazing high note or like, you know, what key is this? And then like, thank you, bitch, <laughs> to the piano player. Like he was just really sassy and funny. And, like, kind of, like, talking back to James Corden, like, giving him a hard time. And they had, like, some good banter going. But then he kind of, he made it into a full-fledged performance. He went from his seat onto the stage. And he, like, didn't even need the, because James Corden had the lyrics for the people on, like, his whatever machine. And he just did not need it and went up to the stage and belted it out, got a full standing ovation. Um, The crowd was, the crowd went wild. Like, people were just so excited. And he was wearing this amazing outfit. It was great. And then I, I think people would have wanted it to even go on. You know, he was like almost at the climax of the song, but then um, they had to go back from commercial break. But I saw this morning that the Tonys or James Corden released the performance on YouTube. So it actually is visible to watch. You can watch it online. Now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was that. So that was fun. I had never really been in an award show that worked so hard to give the audience there something kind of special during the breaks. Right. They also did trivia. Like they played Ariana Grande's Seven Rings over the loudspeaker and then did like trivia about which Broadway uh, show it was based, uh, the song was sample was based out of. Like they did stuff like that. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, me too. It was kind of nice. They were trying to keep the energy going. Um, And it's a performance heavy show. So I think they, uh, you know, want people to be into the performances and it makes sense. 
so yeah, it was a good one. And then I went to the after party at the plaza after where Julie, you and me, do you remember when we oh, went? We had an amazing night at the plaza. So the plaza after party, God, I, I don't say this lightly. I, I always miss Julie at these things, but this one in particular would have been so fun because what happened is they had the whole glam ballroom set up for the after party where all the winners were. But then if you went down, there's kind of this huge food court area with kind of gourmet food shops and they turn it into kind of a part of the party and all the shops stay open and put out samples. So, wow. so you just kind of could walk around and get like a little mini cupcake from Billy's, a little pe- a little cup of pasta, a little piece of sushi, some chicken dumplings, cookies, like just everywhere you went. It was like a that cornucopia of samples and everyone's in their tuxes and you're like kind of walking around with all the famous people and everyone's just like reaching out, taking sample after sample because everyone's so hungry after these award shows, as you know, because no one really eats oh before them. Oh my gosh, I want to like stage a black tie birthday party at like the mall food court now. <laughs> it, it it was such a fun juxtaposition of being in your tuxes and whatever in this food court and just walking around getting free samples and the kind of like, you know, little cartons or little samples. Um, so that was such a highlight. The biggest celebs at the plaza, James Corden, I, I walked in the same time as him. Ugh. And it was funny because he was like with his rep or someone and they said to the bouncer, you know, He's like, who is this? He's like, this is James Corden. He was like, oh, whoa, whoa, right, right, right. And just like let him by. <laughs> um, and then he held court with his parents at this table. Ryan Murphy went over and they had kind of like a power meeting and the two of them talked oh. for a while. Um, Matt Bomer went over to like pay his respects. Like people were like going over in sequence to kind of like go talk to James and probably congratulate him on his hosting job. Uh Ryan Murphy and like the boys in the band crew were kind of holding down uh, sort of one section with um, Andrew Rannells, Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomer, Jim Parsons, our pal and in the limelight friend, uh, Zuzana was there uh, with Andrew Rannells as her date. So I chatted with her. Um, A lot of the winners of the night were there, uh, like Stephanie J. Block, who won for Best Actress in a Musical, all the kind of big play winners were there. Celia Keenan-Bolger, who I love, who was on Little Gold Men and did an interview with Richard. She won for Best Supporting Actress in a, or Best Featured Actress in a Play. She was great. She was there. Um, was there anyone totally random? Good question. No one who who seemed so surprising. Like, no one who wasn't, like, either had been at the Tonys or you know, wasn't, like, somehow affiliated, I don't think. I know I wanted, I and, like, no Jake Gyllenhaal or Tina Fey. Like, some of the starrier people from the show did not come uh. um, to the after parties. But it was fun. It was a really, you know, it was a, a big affair. I saw, who else? Ruth Wilson from The Affair was there. So that was, like, the kind of big party that everyone who went to the actual Tonys got invited to. But then after that, you went to, or you could go to the Carlisle, which was kind of a more intimate affair. And that was, I walked in and saw like Lori Metcalf on this like kind of bench, just like drinking wine. I was like, oh, this seems like a fun hangout spot. <laughs> and it was like a, what a great sighting. The boys in the band crew was there, Ben Platt and Beanie Feldstein and a lot of the other people who are in uh, like kind of the book smart crew, Molly Gordon, their friend. Uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, um, who else? Sarah Boreas and Josh Groban, 
it's a very like theater heavy crew. Um, it's like kind of nice. It was sort of a more, the Carlisle felt like they were passing around French fries. They had sort of like a setup where you could get your photo taken. Um, these like nice steps. I would say the highlight at that party was around like three. There was sort of a back area at the Carlisle where there was a piano. And during the actual party, someone was playing it. But I guess they convinced. And the fact that everyone was at this party at three was wild to me. I feel like the parties right. that we've been to in LA never go this late. Um, wow. And But it was still bustling at 3 a.m. And Darren Chris got behind the piano and performed Tiny Dancer which is really having a moment with like Rocket Man and Taryn Edgerton right. performing it. Didn't he perform it at Cannes, right? Um, he performed not Tiny Dancer. Oh, a different Elton John song. Um, yes. But he, everyone like got their phones out. There were probably only like 50 people in the room because it wasn't even, it was like oh a God. part of the party. So I think a lot of people at the party didn't even know it was happening necessarily. And then he performed another song and like kind of gave a little bit of a speech about like, oh, like this happy Tonys to everyone. But that was cool. Wow, Darren Chris, I love it. And then it just was a, a metaphor about how everyone's always looking. Because this already was a hard to get into party. And like you had silver wristbands. And like when I walked out, people were trying to get my wristbands so that they could get into the party. Like it was a very like hot invite. And even within this hot invite party, people were trying to get up the elevators to go to the another party in a suite oh up on like the 28th floor. So everyone was like jammed around the elevators trying to get up to like the next levels. Like no one's just happy with where they are in life, you know. Oh, everyone's always trying everyone's always trying to get to the place they can't get to. Um, right. So the intrepid reporter that I am at like 3:30 a.m., I decided I was going to try to get up to this suite to see what the deal was. And Ruth Wilson was coming out of the elevator, so I asked her if it was worth it. And she was like, "It's crazy up there." So I'm like, "Oh, now I definitely have to figure out what it is." So I went, uh, I kind of like wormed my way in and uh, it was fine. It wasn't, it, it, another great metaphor. I got up there and it was like the same people that had been downstairs just in a suite. It was a Aww. very luxurious suite. It was beautiful and it was a very nice setup for any sort of party. But the max in the suite was 40 people. So it was more, it was less crowded. So people were on couches and people, someone was playing the piano, I think. But it was like fine. So I stayed up there for like five minutes and then left. Wow. What a night. But at least I didn't have to leave wondering what was on the 28th floor. Uh, I feel like this is some sort of essay or like I Sex know. in the City monologue. It, it, it was like a Sex in the City monologue. I could totally see Carrie leaving and then being like, I needed to check what was there to check it off my box. God, that was a horrible <laughs> right. impersonation. Um, but yeah, I was surprised it went. And then I saw, and I think maybe page six wrote up the night of their Tony partying and said some people stayed till seven. I left That's at three thirty, but I can't believe it goes so late. Like I, 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 know. I, I didn't know that the theater crowd was so party hard. I know. Oh my goodness. I mean, there must be. I mean, there must be Oscar and Emmy after parties that are similarly like that, maybe. I don't know. Right, but it's the Oscars and Emmys usually start so early because we're on right. the West Coast. So. That's the difference. God, that was the God, <laughs> really, <laughs> really firing at all cinder, cylinders over here. Because I was like, oh, it's Well, it's you so had like no sleep. <laughs> I know. I'm still, by the way, if anyone's wondering why I sound loopier than usual, that's why. Uh, so, yeah, I got home at a nice, cool 3.30 a.m. and had to embark on the rest of the week. 
before I get to, before I, I really go wild here, let's talk about Big Little Lies. Julie, you have seen the episode now because last time we talked, last week, you had not. What was your... No, and you gave such incredible little teases without spilling anything. So but still, tra- I was... What was... So the biggest question I have for you is what was up with that weird toy train transition lens ominous scene? We need to just take a moment there. I tried because... to tease that last week as <laughs> ominous, as kind of cryptically as I could. Wasn't that such a weird moment in the premiere? I guess they're building a plot line out with him. And it's never revisited, right? No, but I, so I have to assume because that was such a weird moment that they're going to have to right. come back to it. And for those who don't recall, Laura Dern is outside during some sort of like women's magazine photo I loved, shoot. I loved that, yeah. And she is wearing this amazing, like, red sequiny Dolly Parton style, like, double-breasted dress. And she is feeling herself. Mm-hmm. She's, like, singing along to the background music, talking about how she wants to pose like an empowered woman. She has to, like, own her posture. And Transition Lenses kind of walks out from, like, the upper balconies and is like, what's going on out there? And she's just in her zone. And then he goes back to this dark layer <laughs> where there's all these like like model trains right or what small was small room with like model trains <laughs> circling around him and i think he's drinking some sort of yeah bourbon. right he's drinking something but isn't it super ominous i need to i watched the episode like two and a half weeks ago and it's like a little fuzzy for me but they don't they make it seem very creepy they make it seem so creepy. Yeah. I, it would have been less creepy if maybe they had spent a little bit more time in the room, if they had gone back to the room, if but they had given us any understanding of what was happening. I have to imagine, I feel like there were a few plots like that, like for sure with uh, the Shailene Woodley love interest or for this plot. I just feel like they're setting stuff up for the season. So I imagine something weird is going on with him. But I feel a little bad for the actor who plays Transition Lenses because I pictured that he spent like eight hours on that scene. There were like, and he was so excited to finally have his yeah, big solo big. scene and then he, he's behind the TV on Sunday. And, so yeah. what was your, how did Meryl, fit, how did she live up to your expectations? What was that? You, you told me, you teased that every Meryl Reese scene is incredible. I mean, it's so good. The Meryl Reese scenes to me are just legendary. I'm so happy we get to live through this that was like underselling it the meryl reese face-off that first one where reese's character is this very kind of perky bubbly Mm -hmm. a lot to handle extrovert she's just a little much and she stumbles upon meryl streep's character who's playing the mother of alexander skarsgård's dead character who's in town to help nicole kidman's character raise the boys and, and yes. what's her first line? She literally says something like, "You're you're really short," or it's like, "You're so right. short." I it's you're so and she kind of is like digging herself into a hole. Josh and I would be horrified if we said all of these things out loud, but she totally owns it and keeps kind of saying, making more digs. It's incredible. And and, and they just they're such good worthy adversaries for each other. I feel like they have. Their energies are on such different frequencies that it's yes. just such a kind of fair fight. I cannot wait for more scenes between them. I never would have even, I think I said this last week, I never would have imagined how great the Reese Merrill 
kind of back and forth was going to be. It's so good. I know because I was so excited about Meryl and Nicole. And Nicole, who have great scenes too, but they're more kind of emotionally intense and a little bit less sort of not. Right. They're not like, I don't know. The recent scenes are also just so funny. The recent Meryl scenes. Oh, and then the one she's now a uh, real estate agent. Oh, she's in the she's showing off this house in these amazing heels. She's like this pink power outfit uh. on. And you tweeted something about what her acting with the... With the AirPods. I love that. It was the best acting with AirPods. I, don't you feel... I think I said this too, but like they're, they're Reese really... This is like a showcase for Reese's first episode, I felt. Obviously, Nicole and Meryl are insanely amazing too, but I just feel like Reese got some really good stuff in this episode. Right. She's kind of more front and center than she was yeah. in the last season, and which I, I love. And I feel like her stuff with her daughter was really kind of like meaty and fun. And then she had the Meryl stuff. And I feel like they're setting up something with Adam Scott and that like woman at the grocery store. Right. That wasn't my favorite storyline. No, that seems a little, I hope they make that a little more nuanced or something, but I wonder if they're going to go back to the idea of Reese cheating and like what happened with them or something. I know I'd kind of forgotten about that. What do we, so Meryl used, is this right, Julie? You would know prosthetic teeth. Are they not her real teeth? She had teeth made <laughs> by the same person. And she like called up this person. I guess he, she's called the tooth fairy in the industry. Love that. She she did Rami Malek's teeth in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my God. What a legend. What a legend. And so her idea for this character was that she wanted to have the same teeth and the same bite as Alexander Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. That would be one of the similarities, which I feel like you always read how Meryl is super into the look of her characters, but oh boy, did she deliver between that and that mousy brown wig, wig. and the scarves. I need to text my friend at HBO because um, I saw all these people I follow on Instagram who live in LA they're sending out, we just need to request for these, uh, kits, or not even, I don't know, packages of the wigs of each of the different characters. That's so, incredible. So you you get, need to you get, get those. You get the Meryl, really? you get the Nicole, you get the Reese, and you can like wear the different wigs to be the different characters. That is amazing. Yeah. And also on last week's episode, you talked about speaking to the dad of the twins. Yeah. Um, who play Nicole's Wait, now, kids. So how wild is that scene at the dinner where Meryl screams? I mean, yes. they were present for that scene, the screaming Meryl scene, which is like an iconic right. scene already. I know. So Meryl is talking to the kids about their grief and she's telling them it's okay to be angry. And then she just goes wild and just like A primal yell. I know, which I would be as magnificent as that moment was. I would be somehow scarred if I were those kids. It was, I mean, you know it's Meryl, so it's going to be good, but it blew me away. It was so (laughs) intense and loud. I just was shocked at it. Um, I know, and how many takes did they have to do of that? And so also, when the dad was telling you about how Meryl kind of got to know the kids, you said that they played Jenga. Jenga. Do you you think she played Jenga in character, like in the wig and the teeth? So that's how they got to know her. Good question, Julie. Uh, Yeah. Uh, 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 that, That seeming like it could be scary to the kids. Right. But no, I don't know. I feel like I could, I feel like she's maybe wouldn't actually just because they're so young and maybe she, that's like not necessary. I feel like if she was doing that with an adult actor, 
like getting to know them. That would be weird right. too, though. That would be weird. <laughs> I kind of miss Alexander Skarsgård. I know we saw him in flashback, but as that character, I felt like there was a lot more tension mm. in the last season. Well, I'm also film. curious if... I mean, I I don't want to in any way act as if I'm not so insanely grateful that we got a second season of this show. But I also was kind of wondering if they were going to set up more like a totally different mystery or something that was a whole different narrative right. thrust. Instead, it sort of feels like, at least from the first episode, and I read one of the reviews that was acting as if in two and three we start to move into other things. But it sort of felt like we're still going to be lingering on the same core issue this like with the fallout from the alexander skarsgård death right which i'm kind of good yeah me too i feel like i don't and like obviously introducing meryl makes it a little more interesting but yeah i was kind of hoping me and maybe we are going to get that that we're going to move into a different kind of plot right my my ideal after that first episode and again i am so insanely grateful that we have the second season but it would be meryl and reese as the a plot yes and then Laura Dern and whatever is happening with transitions. I can do without the, the Shailene Woodley plot with right. that guy. Like I'm happy for her. That yeah, she like it's a fine, but it sort of feels like it's in a different show or something. Right. And that guy wasn't, he seems perfectly nice, but I was, you know, I don't know. I was a little bit and, less enthused. Right. And even though Shailene and Nicole's characters have bonded because oh, right. their mm-hmm. kids are siblings... I don't know, it's just something still feels off. Yeah, I know. But I I would love to see Shailene's character's hoodie closet. She has so many hoodies. Also, when she does that dance to the Sophia Stevens song, that was kind of right. confusing to me. But I can't, I'm very excited to see where this all goes this season. Same. All right. Let us know. I want to know what people's thoughts are, what people thought about the premiere. I know, did we get all. it wrong? Did we misinterpret this episode? What do you think is happening with transition lenses? Yeah, if you have I wanna, any that, thoughts. That's, that's what I want to know. All right, so that does it for this week's episode. I love that we really spanned, we did theater, television, and We're royals. We're so cultured. It's just it's the whole panoply of human emotion or something. <laughs> you can really sense my 3.30 a.m. call time. <laughs> All right. That does it for this episode of In the Limelight. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to check us out, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss these subjects. Or you can follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at, I love that it says in here, or tell us about suits. That's like a leftover holdover from back in the day. Still feel free to tell us about suits if you're still watching it. Um, my handle is Duboff. Also, we're on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode is edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until, until then, then, no, no bad, bad energy. energy.